You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student-athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. You know, I always joke that I'm like their mama bear, but it's true. I My team is like my second set of family. This is the Beaver Tales podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. Well, joining me today on the podcast, we go back to the Oregon State volleyball team in the mid-2000s when Abby Windell was a standout middle blocker for the Beavers her senior year 2006. Now she's Abby Swancutt, having married former Oregon State football player Bill Swancutt. And uh, Abby joins me today on the podcast to talk about her Oregon State career and moving on to a different element of sports, both in her playing days, the sports that she competes in now, and uh, how she is involved through her her job. She works for Nike now. She's moved up the ranks in uh, golf apparel, tennis apparel as a design director. She's now a senior design director in women's performance apparel and uh, trying to empower the next generation of young female athletes. She was a standout athlete herself, was the Gatorade Player of the Year in volleyball from Gresham High School, came to Oregon State to play middle blocker, graduated in 2006, and uh, some pretty talented players in that team who have gone on to really cool things in business. I had Taylor Wentworth, or Taylor Studzinski at the time, uh, when she played at Oregon State. I had her on the podcast a while ago, and she's you know moved on to big things at Target and a senior role there, and Abby Swancutt now doing similar things at Nike, not to mention transitioning to a different sport and playing that competitively. So we'll share about uh, what sport she changed to and her family and plenty more. So here is Abby Swancutt, the 2002 Gatorade Player of the Year. We kind of laugh about that. I said, you know, there's uh, it's been 18 years since you came to Oregon State, and she kind of started laughing. You you know, I could see it. Obviously, you won't see her face as she's laughing, so you'll, you'll hear me start to laugh as I'm asking the question. It's because her face expression kind of goes oh that was 18 years ago oh my goodness and and we kind of started laughing so you'll you'll get the the feel for it in a couple minutes as we talk about uh abby windell's now swan cuts uh, legacy and journey to oregon state and ever since so thanks for joining me here is abby swan abby thanks for coming on how you doing today i'm good thanks for having me josh Oh, my pleasure. Um, I've been watching a lot of Oregon State volleyball these days, calling some of the games. And there's, um, you said you, you know you watch sometimes or bring your your kids there, especially your daughter when when you're able to. Uh, there's a a setter on the team now, a freshman, Izzy Izzy Shulshevsky, who was the Oregon Gatorade Player of the Year last year, coming out of Mountainside High School, which didn't even exist when you were playing up at Gresham. But uh, 18 years prior to Izzy coming to Oregon State, you were the the precursor, the the Gatorade Player of the Year. As your 18 years may seem like a lot. 18 years sounds like absolutely frightening to hear that number. <laughs> That's wow. nothing. That's nothing. Wow. Uh, what, uh, when you look back at that stretch that, you know, one current Oregon State volleyball player is experiencing now, what was that like to, to be the Gatorade player of the year to come to Oregon State and transition into uh, college volleyball? You know, I, I don't even know if at the time I realized it was a big deal or cared, I guess, because I kind of grew up in a culture of just, 
volleyball. Like my life was volleyball. I had four older sisters that played volleyball. I played club volleyball for over 10 years and we just kind of had this culture of winning and being successful. And I think, um, it was kind of the icing on the cake. I think after winning the state championship for the second year in a row to get that honor was pretty incredible. Um, but you know, at the time I probably didn't, didn't really think anything of it. And, um, even now it just, it sounds hilarious thinking that it was that long ago, but, um, but I guess it makes sense. I have a, a niece who was senior in high school who now is committed to go play volleyball in college next year. So it's, it's like life is coming full circle a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, whew, that was so long ago. <laughs> now, as you look back at those four years you had finishing out 06, uh, what kind of sticks out to you? Highlights, lowlights, your time playing volleyball and at Oregon State? What are, what are the kind of stories that stick with you that you still daydream about to this day? Gosh, you know, um, three of my teammates uh, that were my age are three of my best friends still to this day. And I think we all unanimously, even though the times were hard and we grinded like crazy day in and day out with workouts and practice and film and uh, meetings and school, it, you know, it seemed like so much back then, but I think now that we're all working moms and very busy, you know, I think we would love to go back to that time, even just for a day, just to kind of really relish and enjoy it. Um, but, you know, I think that that senior year in particular definitely was on the, in the mind frame of like, I just want to get out of college. I want to start working. I want to be done with this, but you know, we didn't have a very successful senior season. I think we actually went like 0 and 18 or something like that. Like it was really bad, but you know, some of the best memories I've had are from the teammates that I've had and the experiences I've had, the different coaching staffs, you know, I had two different coaching staffs, um, during my, my time at Oregon state, um, Samara kind of era for two years, um, and Michael Seaman, who's been at Portland State ever since. And then obviously Terry and Mark and Salima and Brandy. I mean, there, there were so many amazing coaches that we had during that short time. Um, but those four years, you know, they do feel like the longest time when you're in them. But gosh, they fly by. And obviously, when you say that we're, you know, the number 18 years, it's like, wow, that is nuts that I have not played volleyball in a very long time. Yeah, and you've you've really transitioned from one sport to another. Now tennis is kind of the big thing for you these days. Yeah, yeah, I've become a, a total addict. Um, yeah, you know, I grew grew growing up. We played many sports, my sisters and I, and we took maybe some tennis lessons here and there as kids. But we never we were softball players in the spring, which is so kind of ridiculous looking back. And um, a couple of us now are competitive tennis players as adult females. And it's just hilarious. It's like, there are a lot of transferable skills from volleyball to tennis. And I think that's why I love it and why I've been successful. Um, It's very anaerobic. There is a lot of strategy. There is, and I like it because even though you can play doubles and you can be part of that team and have that partner, I do love the singles aspect, how it really is a mental game and it's all on you and it's an amazing workout. So I think it's just for me, it's a way for me to stay competitive as an adult. And I think what's great for our children is, you know, my husband, Bill loves to play golf. Like that's what he's obsessed with. And and I'm obsessed with tennis. And, you know, there's times when we're both playing those sports at the same time and, in some ways, I love that our kids see that, hey, even as old people, we still love to be active and competitive, and it's part of our daily routine and part of our life. 
what early on when you were starting to play tennis did you ever find yourself drifting towards the front of the net like a middle blocker and then oh, realizing yeah. oh wait a minute <laughs> yeah and it's funny because when i when i play against opponents i've never played against they're always like are, were you a volleyball player you serve like a volleyball player like i think there's some certain tendencies that volleyball players um have in the game of tennis and again i think why we can pick it up so easily but yes being um, at the net is where i feel the most comfortable and um yeah, it's just, it's been fun. I started playing when I was pregnant with my, with my first, um, child and I played through all three pregnancies, like up until the day of, and it's just been helpful to, um, stay super active and, and recover from pregnancy. Wow. So playing at eight or nine months pregnant, you're oh, still out there on the yeah. tennis courts? Legit. Yeah. My second, my, my second, our first son, I played the day we went into labor or went into labor and, um, and then with my third, he, I tell this story, it's silly, but uh, you know, I was eight months pregnant and we went to nationals. Our team went to nationals. This was back in 2019, which seems like forever ago. Um, but yeah, we, we played at nationals in Arizona. And I mean, you could, you should have seen the looks and the comments I got from some of these older women who were just like, thought I was crazy. Um, but there was actually one mom that came up to me and she said, you know what? That's so awesome. You're doing this. I did this with all my kids and you know, don't ever anyone tell you different. And, and it, I really, I honestly felt better because I was so active through all three of my pregnancies. And were you playing singles while pregnant or was this doubles? Yeah, a little, singles, little less. Singles and doubles. I didn't at nationals just because it was Arizona and it was really hot and didn't want to, didn't want to risk getting hurt or hurting the baby. So I just played doubles. That's amazing. And, and did it work well? you you felt good and could move around yeah. and hit well. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was super fun, you know, and it's something that like, I'll be able to tell them one day, you know? Yeah, so. that's great. What, what, uh, circuit or organization did you go to nationals with? Um, so I play USTA tennis, which is, um, United States tennis association. Uh, right now, obviously it's on hold because of COVID, but, uh, we, you know, I still train and still play now. Um, just like with lessons and, and get, we just get groups together and play here and there. But um, yeah, so we just, it, USTA is just kind of a nationwide tennis league that everybody plays in. And, you know, it's, it's very fun. It's very competitive and it can get a little serious at times. And, but I just laugh it off. I, I love it. It's, it's just something, again, like I said, I can stay competitive and have fun with. You mentioned Bill briefly when you first met him. I'm not sure how long into your span at Oregon State when that was exactly when you started dating. Were you watching him on the football field a lot and later on started dating or did it happen early or how'd that whole story go? No, I, I definitely didn't really watch him at all at Oregon State because one in volleyball, you know, we're in the same season. I think I maybe made it to a handful of home games just because a lot of times we were either traveling or we just couldn't go because we had meetings or. Um, but no, I, it was one of those things where, you know, we were both in previous relationships from high school into college and those weren't going so great. And, um, we, you know, we were friends for a while. Um, but yeah, we, it was toward, he's a couple years older. So it was a, towards the end of my time at Oregon State around my junior year where we started kind of dating. And then, you know, was, we were definitely more serious my senior year and then, yeah, got engaged actually the weekend of graduation. So, um, yeah, and been together ever since. 
when I was talking with one of your teammates, Taylor, Taylor Studzinski, then Taylor Wentworth. Now she told the story of how her now husband, Norman had to be kind of persistent reaching out, saying hi to her. And she didn't notice him at first, but it, it worked out. How did, how did Bill go about that? Or did you first kind of strike up the conversation? Uh, I think I'm probably pretty much made the first move. He's pretty shy, introverted. If you don't know him, um, and very quiet at first. Um, so yeah, I think I definitely had a little bit more courage to say something to him. And, um, it also helped. I had a, um, a roommate, uh, part of my time at Oregon State who was a football player and he was kind of the guy that, you know, considers himself the matchmaker. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it was kind of, it took a while. And then we obviously, he lived, in Michigan for a few years. And so we were long distance for quite a while and just see each other every once in a while. But um, yeah, it's gosh, that's so long ago. We've talked about transition athletically going to tennis as far as career wise, going to Nike. Um, I know you've had some experience with women's tennis apparel and golf apparel. I'm not sure if that's kind of the area you're in now, but w- what was that transition like to career wise? And what are some of the things you've done with yeah. Nike? You know, it's funny. I, um, growing up was always a Nike kid. It was just kind of in my DNA and in my blood. My dad was an athlete and runner and that's just all we wore. It's all we knew. Um, and growing up, I always wanted to be a fashion designer. So I thought for sure I'd go to New York and work in fashion. And I think hindsight, if I would have done that, I probably would never have come back after visiting New York so many times. I absolutely love it. But, um, Obviously, I met Bill in college, and that kind of changed my trajectory. And because of volleyball, because volleyball is a fall season, I couldn't do a traditional internship. And with the apparel design program, you have to do an internship. So I did a little slightly different scenario going into my senior year, and then realized when it was getting close to graduation that hey, I really needed some experience in the industry. So I reached out to Nike, and at the time, I couldn't get my foot in the door, even with knowing so many people that work there. It just wasn't the right timing. They filled all their internship spots six months prior. And so um, I got some advice from a very famous recruiter at that point. And she said, you know what, go get some experience and then come back when you're ready. And so I went to Columbia Sportswear right after graduation and got an internship and two months in got hired as an assistant designer. And so I kind of jokingly call my experience at Columbia my four and a half year internship because it took me almost a year to get a job at Nike. Once I felt like I was ready, I really enjoyed my experience at Columbia, but because um, it was a smaller company, you got to be super hands on. But I just knew ultimately that I wanted to go to Nike. You know, it's Nike's the perfect place that blends sport and fashion. And I just feel like it's also a way to stay connected to who I am and my identity as being a female athlete. And so, um, yeah, it took me a while, but I got my foot in the door. And so I've been in, done everything from kids apparel to, um, yeah, women's golf, men's golf, women's tennis, men's tennis. Um, and I led the tennis group for the last couple of years as the design director of apparel, but, um, just recently back in October, um, got promoted to uh, run the women's sport performance apparel category. So, but that encompasses a lot of things. It encompasses basically anything fitness or performance related, everything from maternity to dance to sport, including, you know, global football, as you would know in American soccer, uh, basketball, golf, and tennis. So it's, um, it's awesome. Uh, it's a dream for me. I am very passionate about women and um, females being active and healthy and putting their health first. And so it really is just like the ultimate sweet spot 
for me right now. Yeah. What is it, especially at Nike and in women's sports in particular, that not just for you to make the impact, um, but, you know, playing a role in creating a change? What sort of things do you hope to see implemented that, that you hope to be a part of? Uh, you know, what, what's your kind of vision for the future? You know, ultimately, I think it's just, I mean, I've said this, this is kind of like, this is on one of my daily goals. It's what I strive for is just to be a very inspiring leader at the company and someone who can be looked to as a resource, especially for women and especially in their growth and their leadership potential. Um, and I think that all kind of stems back to sports. When I talk to a lot of former athletes or, or student athletes that are in school now that want to get uh, their foot in the door in the industry or whatever, you know, I always tell them, Hey, everything that you're doing right now is actually what's going to help prepare you for this next step in the so-called real world. Right. And I think even too, especially like someone like Taylor, who's a really good friend of mine, she's a, you know, has a very busy career and she's a working mom of three. And I also think those skills you learn at Oregon state or, you know, when you're in college playing a sport, it's, it is a full-time job. You have to prioritize your workouts, your team meetings, your school. It's, it translates into being a working mom. Like, I feel like the values I want to teach my kids is, Hey, you can still have as a mom, still take care of a household, still do the things. And then obviously with Bill too, it's important for us to be this team, right. And, and to work together, to raise our kids, to, you know, give them the best life and the best experiences possible, but also show them that like, Hey, mom and dad work hard day in and day out. And that's why we're able to do these things because we've sacrificed so much and because we've worked really hard. And I think, um, especially at Nike, I also want to show young women that, that, you know, I can still, you know, make time for my family, especially now with working from home. It's really changed my life dramatically because, you know, I was commuting so much and it was taking, my family life was taking a back seat because I was trying to just grind and like go up the ladder, you know, because that's how I'm wired. I'm wired to set goals, crush them, get to the next thing. And um, it's actually been able to bring a lot more stability into our life because I'm still able to pick up, drop off, you know, go grocery shopping, cook dinner, but still be available for my team who need me, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I try to be there for them day in and day out, just like I would for my family. How much has that proclivity to be the, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to crush this. I'm going to check all the boxes. How has that ever been? Um, I mean, first of all, that, that usually is a very productive mindset. It can lead to a lot of accomplishments and goals being reached. Has that ever been difficult to maintain that where you start to get burnt out in some area or there's too many goals to reach and you can't do it all? How has that gone? You know, yeah, but then I feel like every time that happens, I have a baby and I take a maternity leave. <laughs> I, I'm just kidding because that obviously is not the most relaxing time. But um, no, I, I think the great thing about Nike and I think why it's a perfect fit for me is the culture is about being competitive, about setting goals, about like getting to the next thing, the next experience. You know, the beauty about that company is... I can have a completely different job and it feels like a completely different experience. You know, even though you're within the same company, um, it's so big that you, you really get to have a totally different experience. And I think that's what fuels me to keep going. And really, just like I said, I'm so passionate about women and, um, keeping women active, especially during a time like now. And so really just my goal is to make them, 
feel their absolute best in the product that our teams create and just keep inspiring my team. I mean, really at the end of the day, I, I never thought I'd be a love being a people manager, but I absolutely love it. I love helping to develop talent and helping give them people connections and be a resource. And I, you know, I always joke that I'm like their mama bear, but it's true. I, you know, my, my team is like my second set of family, you know, and I try to be the same person at home that I am in the office or on zoom. Um, just so that, you know, my team knows that I'm there for them and I'm here every step of the way to kind of help them grow. Yeah. Couple, couple last questions for you. Um, I, I usually like to end with, um, uh, the, you know, what advice would you give yourself sort of question as you look back from, from Oregon State to now, whether it be career related, it could be family related, it could be something else in life, it could be, um, you know, especially what it was like to, to finish college sports and to no longer be a college athlete. Now you went to tennis, so you're not, not an athlete. You still are an athlete, but there is a difference in being an NCAA athlete to USTA or whatever it may be for different people. So whether it be something handling that identity question of wait, who am I if I'm not a volleyball player or other areas of growth, uh, what, what's like a big area that you might tell your, your 21 year old version of yourself that you learned since then? Gosh, I feel like I, I probably would tell my 20 something year old self to just like lighten up and not be so hard on myself. Um, I think I've learned that more in my thirties than, uh, and people say that and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Thirties is so far away. And then here I am in my mid to late thirties and I couldn't agree with it more, you know, be okay with not perfect all the time. I think I tried to be so perfect when it was, when it came to my classes, when it came to, to volleyball and the training and, you know, but I also think what's great about those habits I developed is they carry, they stay with me today. You know, I have had three kids. I work a full-time job. I'm a very busy woman, but I prioritize working out every single day. It's the first thing I do and, you know, eating really well and drinking tons of water. And I mean, I probably need to get more sleep. That's something that I, I feel like I, I, uh, I lack, but, um, you know, I feel like those habits, you know, attribute to being successful in life and in work. And so I'm grateful for those habits that obviously I think they even started from my parents and how they raised us, but also, you know, it evolved as I got to college because it was, Hey, I'm on my own. And if I don't do these things, I'm not going to play. And to me, it wasn't even about playing. I wanted to start and I wanted to be in almost every single point. So I think, that's just how I'm wired. And I wish I would just have been a little bit more not relaxed because obviously it's a very, it's a privilege to play a division one sport and to get paid for and to get to do your dream degree and meet the best friends of your lives. Like there's so many positives from my experience at Oregon state. I mean, I, I literally couldn't have asked for a better experience, but I just think I probably wish I would have been a little bit less hard on myself. At times. Yeah, I like that. Um, okay, last thing, you brought up your, your parents briefly. You, you, okay, so your family, you had four older sisters, all of whom who played college sports. You had a grandfather who played football at USC, an uncle who played football at Wyoming. Your dad played three sports at Hawaii. So my question is, whenever someone grows up in your family and doesn't <laughs> play college sports, do they still get invited to the family reunion or are they like kicked out? <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. I know it's, it is funny, you know, and there's like that, that like phrase, like, Oh, Jersey chasers or whatever. But I think ultimately, like even just even meeting Bill and being attracted to Bill. And obviously we've been a great partnership for like pretty much the last 15 years. I think it's the attraction of like, you know what it takes. I know what it takes. We both were putting health and wellness, honestly, at the center of our marriage and our, and our priorities. And yeah. And with that breeds healthy children, hopefully, you know, and I just think like probably growing up, that's just like, I was the youngest. So that's all I knew. I was dragged to gyms and fields every single day and I loved it, you know, and I was the kid that like wanted to play with my sisters after their match or, you know, would be like under the bleachers with like someone else's sister or brother playing pepper, which is like a volleyball um, kind of warm up exercise. Right. Like, and so I was like the sweaty kid at all these tournaments, just like trying to find anyone to play with me. And I think I obviously am appreciative of it because it's been a huge part of my identity in my life and it's just who I am. And so, um, you know, I think, yeah, in our family, it's just something that you, you just kind of have and you do and, um, you know, it's been, it's been great. And I hope that Bill and I are able to do that for our kids and so on and so on. Yeah. Generations of future beeves yeah. and whatever other colleges yeah. get the benefit of. It's funny. Like, you don't, we don't want to push it on them, but I think at the same time, one, we want them to be active. We want them to be involved with things that they're passionate about. So we're just at this stage, like kind of letting them try everything to see what they, what they gravitate towards. And, um, and luckily they love everything. So we've been, We've been really lucky on that front. That's great. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Keep doing great things at Nike, and thanks so much for your time, Abby. Thank you, Josh. Go Bees. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing Abby Swancutt's story and everything she's been able to do through Nike and her family and all the stuff she's gotten into ever since Oregon State. And I was telling her before we started that I'm doing a lot of Oregon State play-by-play for volleyball, doing the Pac-12 Plus the Oregon State live stream play-by-play for most of the home matches this year, including, if you're listening to this on the day I release it on Thursday, well, today at noon, they're playing Arizona State and Friday as well, back-to-back matches. So I'll be at Guild Coliseum calling some Beaver Volleyball uh, for Pac-12.com. So you can tune in there and see what uh, Oregon State Volleyball is up to. Also, by the way, I give free advertising to charities on this podcast. Convoy of Hope is one that I haven't mentioned in a little while, but they do great work in crisis relief, uh, responding to disasters, women's empowerment, other community events all over the world. So you can check out Convoy of Hope. I'll put their link in the episode description so you can, uh, if you like this podcast, support it by supporting the charities that I like to mention on here. Hey, episode 100 is coming up on Monday. I've got a current Major League Baseball player joining me for the big 100. So tune in on Monday for that special episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Beaver Tales podcast. I've been your host, Josh Warden. Until we reach the century mark next week, have a great day, everybody, and go Beavs.